Today, our scripture passage comes from Psalm 51, verses 6 through 12. We're continuing today our sermon series on the seven Hebrew words that every Christian needs to know. Today, our word is ruach, which means spirit or wind. And so as we read through this passage of scripture, I encourage you to listen in particular and listen anew for where the spirit is speaking to us and for how the psalmist is referencing the Spirit and the way that the Spirit moves in our lives then and today. Please join me in listening for the word of the Lord. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Please join me as we pray. God, may your light shine and cast out all darkness. May your hope raise us up in the places where we have sunken low. And may we as your people respond to your news, knowing that it is always good, that you only intend good for us. May we hear that truth today and carry that truth into the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What words are you desperate to hear in your life right now? Maybe you're desperate to hear someone tell you, I love you. Or maybe the words that you're desperate to hear are more along the lines of, I see you. I see what you're doing, how much energy you're putting into things, how hard you're working. Maybe the words that you really want to hear are the words of someone saying, I forgive you, or will you please forgive me? Or maybe the words that are most precious to you right now are not words that someone else can say to you, but words you need to say to someone else. I forgive you. Will you forgive me? Because this psalm right now is a song about the words that speak to our heart. It's a psalm for the desperate, written by the desperate. What are the words that you are desperate to hear today? Because this song is a song of a people who unite behind words of desperation that cause them to call out, saying, create in us something new. It really is a sad truth that the words that we often long to hear the most are really the words in our lives that we try to deny or try to hide from. We might want to feel loved and yet we will act as though we don't need anybody to love us. We will long to feel seen and yet we'll actively deny when someone recognizes us. We want to experience forgiveness, but then 
we'll go and pretend like someone never hurt us when they did, or worse off, we'll play act as though we never did something hurtful when we can see the pain on someone's face. The words that we long to hear the most in our lives can be the words that we spend the most energy hiding from. A former coach of mine used to say, you can't get better until you acknowledge right where you are. One of my writing advisors would say, you can't change what you're not telling the truth about. These phrases have stuck with me over the years beyond sports and writing. They show up in the everyday decisions that we've made. For instance, my husband, he's been working on shedding a few pounds in order to improve his marathon time. And the other day he mentioned to me that he was surprised that he wasn't shedding that weight at a faster rate. After all, he had made some really drastic changes. He's cut out all bread, carbs, alcohol. He added more cardio. He's eating dramatically less. Then later that night, when our kids asked after dinner if they could get dessert, and if so, where's the chocolate orange? All it took was one look at my husband, Andy, for all of us to realize that that chocolate orange had found its way as Andy's midnight snack. We can't tell the truth. We can't change what we aren't telling the truth about. The whole truth in our inwardmost being, in our most secret places of our hearts. That inward being, that secret heart, it's often the place where we try to hide our most vulnerable feelings. In particular, it's often the place where we try and hide our shame. Shame is actually the story that's behind the writing of this psalm that we read today. It's what drives the psalmist's desperation. Tradition says that this psalm was written by David after he had had a difficult conversation with the prophet Nathan because David had done something that he was ashamed about, which then compounded into another situation that caused him even more shame. You see, one day in the spring, when the kings of all of the nations were out with their armies and the Israelite army was out at battle, David was at home, bored. One day he saw a woman named Bathsheba who was bathing on her roof, which by the way, was a normal place for a woman to bathe in that time and day because all of the roofs were of a similar height. And so from the street, you had a certain amount of privacy from the roof because no one could see you when they were down below. No one could see you at all, actually, unless they were living in a palace that was much higher than all of the other roofs. And so David saw Bathsheba. He had her taken from her roof, maybe to assuage his boredom, but I also think in order to assuage his own feelings of inadequacy, because after all, What kind of king doesn't go out to battle with his own army? When he found out that Bathsheba had become pregnant, David panicked. He tried to cover it up, but then the cover-up went all wrong. See, he had called back Bathsheba's husband away from battle, assuming that her husband would be happy to spend some time with Bathsheba. But her husband had 
too much integrity. He wasn't going to leave his fellow soldiers when they were in a time of battle. Her husband's choice stung David. In the very place where he was already wounded, David, this king who had sent his army off without him. And so David felt like he had no choice. He had Bathsheba's husband killed, ordering him to serve on the front lines. But then God called Nathan to come and speak to David. Nathan, this prophet. And so Nathan told David a story. He said there was a poor man who had one lovable sheep that was treated as a pet by the poor man's family. One day, a wealthy neighbor had someone come and visit him. And rather than killing one of his own sheep from one of his large herds, the rich man took the poor man's only sheep, slaughtered it, and served it to his guest. When David erupted in judgment and anger against the rich man in Nathan's story, Nathan rounded back on David and said, You are this man. And there it was, in just four words. David's most inward being, all of the secrets that he had created, all of the shame that he had built up like a dam around his heart, it was exposed to truth. He could no longer hide his shame. And so he finally chose to say what he had spent so much energy trying to cover up and hide. He said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I was wrong. And it is when he speaks this truth, it is when he says what he was afraid to say the whole entire time, that his innermost being can finally open themselves to hear the words that he had been running from since that first day that he had chosen to stay back from war. Nathan says to him the words that David longed to hear. He says, the Lord has taken away your sin. In layman's terms, he says, you are forgiven. They were the very words that David needed to hear the most. And so tradition says that David crafted this psalm in response. He says, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. The word that David uses here for spirit is the Hebrew word ruach. Simply translated, it means wind or breath or spirit. But in Jewish mysticism, ruach is understood to be the breath that is given to humanity when an infant takes its very first breath. It's that holy presence that intertwines with our physical body. It forms the core of our soul. It is our innermost being, our secret heart. When David is asking for God to put a new and right spirit within him, 
to sustain in him a willing spirit. He is saying ruach. He's referring to the place in his soul where he hides his shame and his insecurities and his secrets. David is asking for that secret place of hiding to be transformed into a place of joy saying, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Friends, when was the last time that you experienced the joy of your salvation? When was the last time that you thought about God, that you prayed, that you came into worship, and you didn't feel like you had to hide or to protect yourself or to appear better than you are or to justify yourself in God's presence. When was the last time that you felt like you could just enjoy God's embrace of you, fully accept God's love for you without any reservation or questioning, without any sense of worthlessness? Was it maybe when you took the risk of telling the truth about something that you didn't want to admit to yourself? Something that you had done or something you hadn't done? Maybe something that happened to you or something that left you confused, but yet you were too ashamed to ask about it? Or was it when someone spoke words to you that you desperately needed to hear? Perhaps it was when you took a risk to say something to someone that needed to be said, to ask someone for their forgiveness or to tell someone that you love them after a time of benign neglect. It's funny how experiencing again the joy of our salvation or having our spirit restored within us it doesn't tend to come from God's miraculous intervention of lightning in the sky or of a personal epiphany. Being restored, having the joy reignited within us most often seems to come from these quiet moments of our choosing to tell the truth to one another, to speak of the things that live in our innermost being, to share what is in the secret of our hearts. It seems like when we are wanting to have the joy of our salvation restored for us, that comes when we choose to trade in our sorrows and shame for the joy of the Lord. I want to tell you a story about a conservative icon. His name's Chuck Colson. It was a story that was told at his funeral in 2012. Colson was once self-described as Richard Nixon's hatchet man. He was known for his thuggish ways of politics that stemmed from his dog-eat-dog mentality in the White House and in Boston before that. He was named as one of the Watergate Seven, and he pled guilty to obstruction of justice for attempting to defame Pentagon Papers defendant L Daniel Ellsberg. In 1974, he served seven months in federal prison, which made him the first member of Nixon's administration to be incarcerated for Watergate charges. During this time in his life, 
He made a midlife religious conversion, and he remained a conservative evangelical for over 30 years. The economist, upon his death, described him as a man who had never changed, who remained the same pushy, mischievous character throughout his entire lifetime. But at Colson's funeral in 2012, Dean Timothy George shared a tribute to, of Colson from Lanny Davis. Lanny Davis was the man who held the same position as special counsel, same position as, as Colson, except instead of serving Nixon, Davis served Bill Clinton. So Lanny Davis described this meeting with Colson several, year, several years prior before they had the national prayer breakfast. He says that they greeted one another and that Colson said to Mr. Davis, I've wanted for a very long time to say something to you. I am sorry. May God forgive me. Davis looked at him, stunned. And Colson, he carried on. He said, you know, I'm the guy who put you on the enemies list. That was wrong. Please forgive me. Mr. Davis said that he looked into Colson's eyes and he felt a strange and deep peace. He said it was almost eerie. He saw this profound goodness and spirituality. His own eyes started to tear up and he said, of course, I forgive you, Mr. Colson. Will you forgive me? Because I also have spoken about you with hatred. Immediately, he said, Colson gave him a huge hug. Friends, where in your life do you feel like you have been put on the enemy's list? Where in your life do you feel like you need to be forgiven? Or where in your life do you feel like you can speak words to someone's innermost being? Where in your life do you need those words spoken to you? There are times in all of our lives where we need a new spirit, a fresh breath, and a refreshing wind to change and alter our souls to speak wisdom into our most secret of hearts. The good news is, my friends, that such joy, such refreshment is here for us now. No need to wait. May you today Hear the words that speak to your heart, and may you speak the words to someone else. Amen.